Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Screen Picks Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Kit Bowen. Uh, we, are, we weren't uh, able to do it last week, but here we are now, and we're going to be reviewing some of the movies that did come out last week, as well as movies that are coming out this week. Joining me is my very good friend, Joel Amos, from the themoviemensch.com. Joel, how are you doing today? You doing? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, so let's just jump right on in. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is Army of the Dead, which uh, actually came out in, in the theaters for one week before it's now streaming on HBO Max, right? HBO Max? No, Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> Netflix. Sorry. Um, it is uh, the... Uh, Zombie heist movie that you never thought you needed, but you did. Uh, directed by uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, let me uh, read the description here. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Got a great cast, starting with uh, Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Ana de la Rigueria. Uh, Amari Hardwick, um, just a lot of great, great characters and, and uh, character actors. And Garrett Dillahunt, I love him. I've always loved him. And, of course, Tig Notaro, who almost pretty much stole every scene that she was in. But I'll let you start this off. What did you think of Army of the Dead? I had a blast. And I think that is all you should expect from a movie like this. I mean, it's a zombie apocalypse. They're attempting a heist. This is not going to change the world, but you're going to have a blast. And I got to say, it's hard to pick which part was more fun. Um, If anything, I'd have to say when they putting the team together was such a joy. And it's amazing, the screenwriters, how much little backstory they gave combined with the performances of the actors and actresses is you knew these people within two minutes. And you were a... you were attached. You were attached, and you were pulling for them to make it through, you know, hundreds of thousands of zombies to pick up two $500 million, and, and, and everything isn't quite what it seems. And Garrett, as you mentioned, he plays swarmy better than anyone. He can also play comedy. I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing actor. He, he was the Terminator on the TV show, Sarah Carolina Chronicles. I mean, this guy can do anything. And it just was so much fun. And the zombies are, are, are kind of, they're more World War Z than Walking Dead. But yet there's also a, a very intelligent set of these zombies who, who rule. There's an alpha and there's concrete rules and things, the, the way that they do things. And the way the whole thing is set up with that first scene, I mean, it's just, it's a ride. It is a ride <laughs> of the cinematic variety and put on that seatbelt and go. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it, too. It was a lot of fun. I think it was a little long in the tooth. I think maybe, you know, and I think that's always been uh, Zach's, uh, you know, problem overall. Is that he, can't, he just doesn't know when to cut. But that's okay. You know, right. it still was very, lots and lots of fun. I think for me, like that, yeah, the opening sequence, you know, kind of starts the ball rolling. But then when the titles, when the titles are rolling, that was probably one of the best, you know, next to, like, Zombieland, right? It was like the best sort of 
opening to a movie without any dialogue or anything. You just see all this action happening, and you you, you do you get you get the the gist of it pretty much right away. <laughs> and the uh, color like, of the titles are oh. pink. <laughs> I think I remember that, but yes, it was just uh, it was just a lot of fun. Um, and it really is just pure and simple, you know. Uh, actually, the story was, was pretty simple. I mean, even though it kind of went on a little long, it was still, you know, get in, get out kind of situation. Of course, it never goes as planned. And then you do have this sort of hybrid weird brand of uh, <laughs> of zombies kind of across between the whisperers from The Walking Dead to, you know, actual zombies. Um much more World War Z, like you said, than than they are uh, the the George Romero kind, um, which are always scarier. And of course, you know this isn't anything new. This is not new territory for Zack Snyder since mm-hmm. he directed Dawn of the Dead, which is probably one of my most favorite zombie movies of all time, next to maybe Zombieland. But this one's going to be up there. <laughs> this is definitely going to yeah. be up there. But like I but like I said, I mean. I thought Tig Notaro, she plays a, you know, a helicopter co- um, pilot. When they come up to her and they're going, hey, we have this, she goes, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so, so she went here, nope. You need a helicopter, right? And they said, yes, okay, I'm in. So I hate my job. I hate my life right now. And, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you, you didn't fantastic. even hear the amount. He's like, you didn't even hear the amount. She's like, I don't care. And he's like, two million? She's care. like, fantastic, whatever, I'm in. Yeah, and and the guy who played Dieter, the German, I thought he also oh. stole scenes. I mean, you just wanted to give that guy a hug, and 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 the the friendship he he developed with uh, the the black soldier um, yeah. is just priceless. I mean, they couldn't have been polar opposites at the beginning, and about forty minutes in, that, those guys are blood brothers, and it's the most touching <laughs> friendship in a zombie movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, there was a lot, a lot of great, great moments. Um, and, of course, Dave Bautista, you know, he's also kind of turning into that, uh, you know, the, 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 the not, I, I don't want to compare him to Arnold Schwarzenegger, because I actually think he's a better actor than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But, um, certainly he has that, has that uh, sensibility and and you know ever since Guardians of the Galaxy he's been one he's been one I've always wanted to watch so he does a great job with this too yeah just a fun ride all the way around um what uh, what rating would you give this one to five stars uh, I give it four stars I think it's a solid uh, entry into Zach Snyder's uh, resume and um, I think part of what slows it down a little bit is the father daughter tandem and yeah. it's necessary. But I think there's a couple of moments that maybe he could have let go of to shorten it. But other than that, yeah, four stars. Yeah, I was going to say, there's there's some, some softer moments in it that were good, but not necessarily, you know, needed. But, uh, you know, it was good for character development. But the, all the action stuff was, was pretty top-notch. So I agree. I think four stars for me as well. Okay, so moving on, we're going to talk about, what's the next one I have? Oh, uh, Woman in the Window. Um, this actually did come out last weekend on also on Netflix, and it's based on the bestseller book um, by. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can get the name of the book. AJ AJ Finn, 
AJ Finn. Anyway, yeah, AJ Finn. Um, Let me read the description here. Um, An agoraphobic woman living alone in New York begins spying on her neighbors only to witness the disturbing act of violence. Uh, It's got a great cast, Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, uh, uh, who else here? Uh, Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Wyatt Russell, Brian uh, Cherry Henry. Uh, it's directed by Joe Wright, who uh, is also a, a great director, I feel like. But um, I'll start this one off since I've read the book. <laughs> Love the yeah. book. Um, the book is fantastic. It's not quite, I thought it was going to be more like Gone Girl, but still I was, I was intrigued by it. Uh, and they just didn't get this right. Uh, no. I don't know exactly what went wrong because – you know, the cast I was absolutely on board for when I heard it. Uh, I thought Amy Adams, I, actually, I thought Amy Adams did a great job playing, playing the character. But there was just really something lost in the translation, which is also interesting because Tracy Lett, who is an actor and a writer, he, uh, he adapted it. And I'm just wondering if somewhere along the line things got added in or maybe it wasn't his original script. I don't know. I just, I feel like it had all of the right ingredients to make this a really good sort of thriller. Um, it just misses the mark so badly. Uh, Connie huh. Adams did a great job, um, but some of the other characters were just not fully fleshed out. Uh, Gary Oldman was completely wasted. Uh, Jillian Moore, actually, her little scene, that was my favorite part of the whole movie, that little scene between the two of them. Um, so, you know, she can do no wrong, in my opinion. Wyatt Russell actually, again, just, they just didn't capture what the book was about at all, and the characters, and, um, it just kind of devolved into a, you know, a kind of silly, um, you know, sort of twist to it, which I thought was really good in the book, but just comes off as a wah wah in the movie. I don't know. I just I'm disappointed so much because I really felt like this one had all of the you know had all of the ingredients, but it just misses. How about you? Yeah, this this for me was terrible. Um, and usually, when, when a film starring an Amy, Amy Adams uh, you know, headliner with Oscar buzz. They're like, she's going to be one of the five actresses because of this book and this role. And, and then it gets delayed, and then it gets delayed, and then it gets delayed. Right. And sometimes that's because they go back and tinker with it, and it comes out a better movie. The thing is, it was only delayed just to be delayed. And then the pandemic hit, yeah. and it was delayed even more. So they never did anything to try to make this movie better. And that is just a baffling thing to me, especially as beloved as the book is. Yes, Amy Adams is great, but everything she does and builds towards, when we get to that twist in the third act, I last for five minutes. And I don't (laughs) think that's the response they're going for. And the poor actress gave it her all, and the person opposite her has me rolling on the floor. And like, that's not what you want from a movie that's clearly a nod to Rear Window. And what I liked, I thought I was in for something smart because in about the first 10 minutes, maybe about the eight-minute mark, there's a flash of a scene from Rear Window she's watching on the TV as she gets up and walks across the room. And I'm like, there you go. This is going to (laughs) be smart. And it was the exact opposite. (laughs) 
And it just kept getting dumber and dumber the more it went along. It was so no way, cliched. That, that, one, that one scene where she's standing there and basically everyone involved in the story is staring at her in her living room. I'm like, what, what are you shooting? This is not, I don't get what's going on here. It was just, yeah. Are you talking about the detective who doesn't believe her? Yes. Is that who you're talking about? Jerry yes. Oldman and Jerry Jason, Jason Lee and Wyatt Russell's there. And, like, Amy's standing by herself, like, shaking because she's come to a realization. And everybody's just staring at her. <laughs> what, what do you think? I mean, I just, do you really feel like it wasn't? Tinkered with that they didn't do a bunch of edits yeah. to it or something because no. like what is Jennifer Jason Lee in it for two seconds? Like she had to have had a bigger part in it. I feel like I don't know. I mean the the, and, the part in the book, her character in the book did have a little more juice to it, a little more you know oomph to it than than what was given Jennifer Jason Lee. I don't know. <laughs> her the person who designed her wig deserves a razzie. I mean, that was the yeah. worst wig I've ever seen in a movie ever. And it didn't even and look the, like and, Julianne Moore. No. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just missed, missed, missed. And I'm, like I said, I was, I was really looking forward to this one way back when. Um, and now, I, you know, it's just, it's just not, not very good. No. So, unfortunately, if you're a fan of the book, you do not absolutely stay away completely if you're not, didn't read the book and you kind of just, I don't know, want to sit around and watch a, you know, sort of mediocre psychological thriller, then maybe, maybe with some great talent behind it, then check it out. But yeah, I would, I would give this, geez, I don't know, one and a half stars. How about you? Um, yeah, I'd go one and a half and it gets the half because of that Julianne Moore scene. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. That's the saving grace. And, and in fact, bad. I would go so far as to say, if you love the book, don't watch this movie because it will soil the entire experience. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Stay completely away from it if you read the book and love the book. This is not going to do it justice in any way, shape, or form. So stay away. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, a Mexican film called The New Order. Um, let me read the description here. A lavish high society wedding unexpectedly turns into a class struggle that leads to a violent coup. It was written and directed by uh, Michelle Franco, and it stars, uh, I guess, probably some top-notch uh, Mexican actors, but Diego Bonetta mm-hmm. is the one I recognize the most. Um, but everyone else does a really, really great, really, really great job. Um, I'll let you start us off on this one because, boy, ha! Huh. This was a quite a. This is one of those. This is one of those movies where you feel weird saying I loved it, you know, because of what happens is so damn horrifying. And honestly, you could almost see it happening today, and and it's just so powerful. And and the writer director did such an incredible job because he he did all this character building, he did this world building, and then he did all the action that's involved when the ninety nine cents. Uh percenters decide to revolt against the one percenters, which is the crux of the movie. And he does this all within 89 minutes. That is one right. movie where you hit all the points that you're supposed to hit. You get all the emotions you're supposed to get. You get all the terror you're supposed to get. 
and you're over and done before 90 minutes, that is a true cinematic gift. And I cannot wait to see what he does next. Yeah, this was really, really uh, unexpected, you know, impactful to me. Um, Not a very happy movie in any way, shape, or form. But, uh, you know, just the idea of it, though, like we were talking about earlier, is it's, you know, the the class struggle is a real real deal. And it's even here in this state, you know, in this country as well, clearly, you know, we have the same situation. And something, you know, where where the masses rise up uh, is... um, you know, is a very real possibility. Uh, I don't know if we were talking to, I don't know if the higher class people learned any lessons from all of the destruction and tragedy and loss that they experienced in this film. Um, but certainly it, it speaks to a relevancy that's, that's uh, pretty hard hitting actually. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and everyone, this way. Go ahead. Like when, when they're ransoms being made for certain people, the tone, like I, I'm reading the subtitles, of course, I don't know Spanish, but the tone of the actor, when he says, just pay them, it's like, this is your daughter. This is your in-law. This is a, a whoever the person is. And they're so like blase about it. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it is. And the, and the acting is tremendous too. I mean, you know, it's, very, um, but just just because you know you, you get this whole the beginning, uh, you know the the first twenty minutes or twenty five minutes of the film, you have this wedding, you could see all the different personalities, and then to see that all just you know kind of fall apart, and then with the with the the rebels breaking in and whatnot, it's just. And I remember when we watched this trailer, the two of you, the the both of us said, you know, oh wow, this looks really <laughs> intense. And it definitely was, but I was, I was, I thought it was really, really well done and, and worth worth a watch for sure. Um, it is, it is Mexican. It's, I know it took place in Mexico City, right? I think it's supposed to take place in Mexico yep. City. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, I would give this four and a half. How about you? Yeah, I'd give it four and a half stars. And 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 actually, I put a name out there, uh, Nayan Gonzalez Norvind, who plays Marianne, yeah. the main woman. This is a woman who yeah. goes from the happiest day of her life where she's getting married to like the biggest hell you could ever imagine. And the way she does it as an actress, uh, that's almost Academy Award worthy. Uh, this, this is a talent yeah, to watch. Yeah, she was, she was quite something in this. Um, but yeah, but, but also, you know, uh, the young kid who plays the, the, you know, Christian who plays the um, driver and, you know, and her, who works for her family and her mother, his mother, I mean, just all of it was just so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't give too much away, but it is just, it's powerful. It's really, really powerful. Okay, so moving on. We both really like that one. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about profile. Uh, I wanted to talk about this last week, so I'm so, so glad we got a chance to talk about it this week. Um, it, uh, again, it's, a, it's kind of a uh, smaller indie film. I believe it's still in the theaters now. I'm not sure if it's going to be yep. streaming. Um, let me read the description. An undercover British journalist infiltrates the online propaganda channels of the so-called Islamic State, only to be sucked in by her recruiter. It's directed by uh, one of my favorite directors, Timur Bekmamamatov, Russian director. He me did too. Wanted. He did a lot of great movies I love. 
Uh, and it stars Valine Kane and uh, Shazad Latif, as the two that we talked about. And it's done through this uh, proprietary uh, um, film format called, uh, oh, shoot, now I've just lost it. What's it called? Uh, screen format, Screen film. Life. Screen Life. Screen Life, right? Screen Life, right. Yep. Which was, I didn't realize, was created by Timur. He, he created yep. this and, and was the producer on the film Unfriended which I thought was really good, and Searching, which we really, really liked, came out a few years ago. Um, So it all takes place on your computer screen. Um, I'll start uh, this one off. Uh, I I love this movie. (laughs) I mean, it is quite compelling to watch. Uh, Valine Payne, she, you know, it's based on a true story that actually it was a French journalist who was, who was doing this, um, and she got sucked in, so they, they switched uh, nationalities on us. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, I just, I love these movies where you're on computer screen and how everything is moves so fast, you know, between going to Facebook and doing this. And so she creates this fake profile and she does all of this stuff. And then, you know, she's, she's a freelance journalist, so she's kind of hungry to, to get that big story. And her uh, her editor, broadcast editor, whatever, he she's like, yeah, that sounds like a good story. And then she gets stuck deeper and deeper into it. And Shazad Latif, who I actually really sort of um, paid attention to in the first couple seasons of Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, he played kind of the uh, the love interest in that. Um, he was so good in this. Uh, it, it, it's a scary situation where these these recruiters would recruit these young women, the ISIS recruiters, and get them to, you know, give up their lives and, and, and move to Syria or wherever it was. And it is just, it's terrifying. So not only was I terrified for her, I was also, but also compelled because you could see, easily see how she could fall, you know, for this guy and how charismatic he was, um, mm-hmm. which makes it even more terrifying. But I just thought the two, the, these two actresses did a tremendous job with this and it was, like I said, the, the the format of it and, and how Timor frames it, it was just, it was unbelievable. And I got to speak with Valine about it, actually, and she was quite, quite lovely. And she said working with Timor was one of the most rewarding experiences of her career so far because he was so collaborative. And, you know, to be able to go into the edit bay and actually see her, <laughs> see, really just be there as, as he's watching the scenes and she'd say, oh, yeah, maybe we could do that. And he'd be all, you know, uh, working with her on that and say, yeah, we could try this and try that. She said it was just, it was a really, you know, a fascinating experience for her to make a movie like this, but uh, I really loved it. So what do you think? <laughs> I, I was riveted. I mean, when I finished uh, watching it, um, uh, I just, I just came down to one word and that's harrowing. I mean, the thing was harrowing because at any given time, her cover could have been blown. I mean, and that's what's so excitingly, you know, has such exciting potential about this format of film is something as little as they've had a discussion earlier where he hates dogs and he loves cats. Right. And she has a dog. And for most of it, the dog's at her boyfriend's. But at one point, the dog starts barking. I mean, something as little as a dog barking could have this entire thing unravel and suddenly she'll have a bounty on her head. I mean, and that yeah. is just pulsating through every frame of this movie. Um, I was extremely impressed. I was really blown away by searching, but I got to say, I think this movie takes it up a notch. 
And, and, and this may, it, it is it is hard to believe that something that is so simply shot could give you such a feeling of life and death hanging on the edge of a knife. And, and it is just so powerful. And the entire thing does not work without the, the talent of the two lead actors. Um, and, and they just blow, blew me away. And, and, you know, there's a certain scene where she has to get very emotional and it is about as raw as it is. And you start wondering, like, is he really wooing her? I mean, is she not acting anymore? Um, mm-hmm. Trying to get the scoop for this story. I mean, there's a lot of guessing going back and forth, and it'll get you right up to the end. Yeah, it, it was. And, and you're right. And, you know, like I said, this is based on a true story. And um, the, the the fear is real, you know, these these. These people are, are you, you just you can't mess around with it, and, and no. they they can legit get to you. Uh, so that you're right. So this this constant like, you know, the the further in she gets, it's you know the further you know danger she's in, and it's just so uh, you're like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> you're right. Like the dog yeah, you're yeah. ready. I've forgotten about that. It was like, oh shit, one, <laughs> you know, it's like, one. One more example that doesn't give anything away. When he asks to share, when he's like, share your screen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. we've all been on Zoom calls she has in the scramble. last year. Yeah. And she <laughs> has to come up with some reason why she can't, and then she does. And then it just, just that I'm, I'm sitting in my chair and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's dead. <laughs> That's it. She's done. How's That's she going to do this? And that's that's the other thing I love about these movies because it, it I don't know why it intrigues me so much when they they're flipping around their screen so much and you know and 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 finding this and doing that and you know getting this video and sharing that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like God, how do they everyone know how to do all this stuff so fast I mean I feel like pretty tech savvy tech savvy when it comes to things like that but I'm not quite that way. And, it's just, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and Timor, like I said, really great job from him. And I'm so glad he finally, you know, decided to make a movie using his, uh, using this thing that he created to do. So yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, I would give this five stars. How about you? Five stars. I mean, it, this isn't just a perfect movie for this genre, but it is a perfect movie. And I, and I feel like it's the next chapter in kind of found footage. So, you know, we don't really see those movies as much the last couple of years, but I feel like we're going right. to see an explosion of movies like this. Uh, and, and, yeah. and let's hope they're half, half as good as this. Yeah. Like you said, though, this searching was great, but this is really spectacular and just took it up a notch. So, yeah, five stars for me, too. Hopefully it'll come out on uh, – It'll be streaming probably on Prime some point, sometime here, so everyone can get a chance to see if you haven't seen it in the theater. So definitely check it out. All right, next up, we've got Those Who Wish Me Dead. Again, it's a film that came out last weekend on HBO Max. Oddly enough, I had actually had heard nothing about this movie, <laughs> um, but so glad that I got a chance to watch it. Um, let me read the description here. It's... Uh, a teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a, with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. 
I guess that's kind of what it was about. <laughs> a lot going on in this movie. Well, but it is directed and written, co-written by Taylor Sheridan, which the two of us have agreed is one of our now favorite filmmakers. Uh, he did mm-hmm. um, Hell or High Water and a few others, but it stars a great, Sorry, yeah. an unbelievable cast. <laughs> Uh, starring Angelina Jolie, uh, Nicholas Holt, uh, John Bernthal, Aiden Gillian, Jake Weber, Tyler Perry. I'm like, what the hell is Tyler Perry yeah. doing in this movie? Uh, <laughs> um, just a great, great stellar, stellar class. So what did you think of Those Who Wish Me Dead? <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say that I absolutely loved it, but I had a really good time with this. Um, I, I, it's gotten to the point where Sheridan's names on a movie, I'll watch it because I will be entertained. Yeah. And this is the perfect vehicle for Angelina Jolie. Um, you can see, you can almost feel the, the maternal instincts in her when the boy runs into her in the forest. And then I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Throw in a forest fire. But of course that is so smartly set up because at the beginning of the movie, we're at a fire, uh, smoke jumpers graduation and Angelina Jolie is a smoke jumper. And so, you know, you start wondering, Oh, is there going to be a forest fire in this? And I just, you know, usually character development kind of gets sacrificed in a movie like this, but not with uh, Mm -hmm. Mr. Sheridan. I mean, we really get to know these characters, even if they're barely on the screen for uh, a few minutes. And I'd actually like to point out something that I was really blown away by. I don't think Nicholas Holt has played a bad guy in his career, and I thought he was fantastic. I would run from him as fast as I could, the way he played that character. Um, yeah. He was relentless. He was almost like a Terminator. I mean, um, yeah. and so I just, and, and as Robert Downey famously said in Iron Man, a movie is only good as the villain. And I think both actors who played the villain, it's really believable that, that everything would be turned on end. And John Bernthal, again, finds a fantastic role that is pitch perfect for him, that is very integral into the narrative of this story. Um, yeah, I mean, and if you have HBO Max, you will be enjoying a nice little two-hour two sojourn into uh, the mind of Mr. Sheridan. Yeah. He is a fantastic storyteller. He just... Yeah, you know, Hell or High Water is another you know movie that I just you, you don't expect it to be what it is, and it is. He is. He's unbelievable at, at combining character development with some pretty, you know, specific and 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 great action sequences or action parts to it. You know, it's not a crime or whatever it is. He's he really brings you in and then you know flips everything around on you. And this. This was a lot, there's a lot going on and, you know, a few storylines here and there, but, uh, you know, once, once we got to the meat of it, it was just, it was on, you're on the edge of your seat. And like you said, Nicholas Holt and Aiden uh, Gillian, who plays Littlefinger on Game of Thrones, if people don't want to put a face to the name there, um, <laughs> you know, so he can play creepy and, and villainous, but he, you know, as the two assassins, they are, uh, they're just flat out scary. Uh, and, you know, John, like you said, John Bernthal was, was great. He's like the local sheriff in town and he's married to uh, this, uh, what's her name? Actually, I'll put on and get it real here. Um, the actress's name is uh, Medina Sanghor. And she's like, pretty badass. Clearly they've lived in yeah. those mountains 
for a while. They know how to survive. And so there's some really great little moments with her as well that, that, that she has with the assassins and stuff in. Uh, and the kid was really good, too. I thought he really played yeah. the sort of the Shin Little, excuse me. He played this sort of, you know, because he's with his father, played by Jake Weber, another character actor who I love, and he's everything. Um, you know, and things go wrong. And, and just to see the emotion that comes across his face, uh, trying <laughs> trying to tell, you know, Angelina Jolie uh, what's happened. And she's like, <laughs> she, at one point she says, you know, it's really hard for me to feel sorry for myself <laughs> when I'm around you. <laughs> and I thought, you know, and Angie... God love her. She, you know, she's been not doing too much lately, obviously. Um, the Maleficent, you know, which is not necessarily her fault if they want, that second one wasn't all that great. Uh, but here she's, you know, she, she's gritty. She, you know, she's not a soft kind of motherly type, you know. I mean, she's, that, that opening scene where she's hanging out with her, you know, her local or her uh, coworkers, I guess, so to speak. You can see the camaraderie. You can see her. She's definitely one of the boys. Um, I just thought the little the relationship between her and the little kid were, were was just it was authentic. It was uh, the, of course that has everything to do with the writing, but certainly you know it just seemed it just didn't seem forced. It seemed like she continued to be who she was, but she just now happens to you know have this char- young charge that she's trying to protect. Um, just everything around it. Just a great story and some great action, and yeah, fire and beautifully shot. Like when they're underneath the water and the fire's going over them, mm-hmm. I just uh, beautiful, beautiful shots in it. So Taylor is, um, you know, obviously his his top skill is writing, but as a director, he's certainly coming up to par on on that as well. So he's he's branching out and doing different things, and I. I can see it, and he's you know he's he's doing a great job. So, what rating would you give this one? One to five stars. <laughs> uh, I'd give this a solid four. I think this is a four star movie. Um, it's perfect for HBO Max, and uh, you know I suppose it would be interesting to see this on the big screen. But but for now, this is this is good. Yeah, I was able to. I feel like yeah, it probably would have been great on the big screen too. But it's not one that you necessarily have to see on the big screen. I think it's, um, although yeah. I think it is playing dual right now. So if you do have a chance and do want to see it on the big screen, probably check that out. But uh, if not, then, yeah, seeing it on HBO Max is great. All right, so next up, um, the next few movies, actually, I haven't had a chance to see, but Joel has, so he'll get to give us his uh, his take on it. So is uh, Georgetown, which I actually want to see, so at some point hopefully I get a chance to. Um, Let me read you the description here. Uh, Am I not spelling this right, Georgetown? (laughs) Um, Okay, here we go. It is... Yorick Mott, an ambitious social climber, marries a wealthy widow in Washington, D.C. in order to mix with powerful political players. It's directed by Christoph Waltz, who also stars as the lead character. Also stars Vanessa Redgrave, Annette Benning, Corey Hawkins. Looks like a pretty good cast. So what did you think of Georgetown? 
Um, it's a promising directorial debut by Christoph Waltz. Um, that being said, it's, it's, it could use a little tinkering, but I mean, overall, it's a really fascinating, compelling story. Um, it's based on a true story. Um, I, the reason why this movie is worth its price of admission is because there are several scenes between the titans of the thespian world. I mean, Christoph Waltz and Vanessa Redgrave, uh, getting into an argument, I could rewind it and watch it a hundred times, the way those two just go at it. And then, oh, wait, here comes Annette Benning as Vanessa's daughter, who doesn't see why her mother is marrying this guy, who obviously is a charlatan. Everybody sees it but her. And uh, so it, it's fascinating. And it's a look at Georgetown High Society. Uh, and I lived in D.C. for 10 years, and um, it really really captures the feel of that city and the sense of that we were talking earlier about class struggle. Like there's definite segments to class in DC and, and Christoph really captures that with his film. Um, but this character he plays is such a, such a crazy character. It's like, you don't know what to believe with this guy and he has proof for everything that he's claimed is true. So even at the end of the movie, you don't know if he's telling the truth or lying. So it's the kind of thing right. where it's like it's a it's a movie that doesn't answer all its questions, and I salute it for that. Um, but that being yeah. said, it's it's a little a little long in the tooth, and there are a couple of scenes where nothing really happens, and you kind of wonder why it was in there. But I think he has a promising future in making movies like this with actors who love acting and acting together with other fine actors. Uh, I think we're going to get a few movies from him like this in the future that'll be worth your while. Really? Okay. Well, how about uh, Annette Bening and uh, Vanessa Redgrave? Were they were they good oh, as well? They were fantastic, particularly Vanessa Redgrave. I mean, there's this yet the sense that she's this pushover for a little while, and then when she starts pushing right. back, and she gets angry, and there's a scene where she's halfway up the stairs where it's almost like Christoph, she yells at Christoph Waltz so much that he, he's probably two inches high. And she, she just owns him in this scene. And this quiet little old lady is suddenly not quiet anymore. And Annette Benning, she plays a constitutional law professor at Harvard. So she's got a legal eagle mind. And every time she comes down ah. to D.C. to visit with, with her mother, she sees through his holes. Or are they holes? It's just his stories are so outlandish. You don't know what to believe. But yet then he has these meetings with people in D.C. where you're like, well, maybe he really is, you know, an agent of the Iraqi, you know, military. He's got an Iraqi, he's supposedly a brigadier general in the Iraqi army. And you're like, what? But then, like, he he is. So it's like, yeah. So is he a con man or isn't he? Um. You'll see. You'll see. Okay. I'm not willing to go there. It's it's all kind of integral to how the whole thing wraps up. But Annette Bening, I swear, her entire experience making this movie is is straight face because she is not happy at what is happening with her mother. And her mother does not care what she thinks. And Annette Bening can play that character. It reminds me a bit of her character in American Beauty where she's just been oh, put okay. upon and put upon. And she just, you know, she's like, I don't believe this. And her mom, at one point she asked her mom, it's him or me. And she says, bye. And she's just like, oh, what? 
Um, <laughs> so it's it, it's really it's really something else. It's a study in class, and also you know people who aspire to be more than what they are. Um, right. Acted by well, three people like- who. Acted by three people who could not be more outstanding. Yeah, that is a great cast. I had a little trouble trying to think of Annette Benning as Vanessa Redgrave's daughter, but uh, <laughs> I guess it probably works in a in a in a, in a way because I don't feel like they're that much. I guess maybe. I how how old is Vanessa Redgrave? I guess she's up there. So anyway, I like, I'm not she sure. Her daughter. She plays a 91 year old woman in this movie. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I gotcha. All right, well, that sounds interesting. I definitely want to check it out, especially since it's his directorial debut. Uh, What rating would you give this, one to five stars? I'd give it three and a half stars. Okay, okay. All right, cool. And is that in in theaters now, right? Yes, that's in theaters. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... Probably moving forward here, guys, it's going to be kind of a mixed bag of stuff that's opening in theaters and then going to uh, streaming or opening in theaters and streaming at the same time. It's just all, it's going to just be like a different deal. So next up, we're going to talk about a film called The Dry, which you had a chance to see. Uh, Let me read the description here. Aaron Falk returns to his drought-stricken hometown to attend a tragic funeral, but his return opens a decades-old wound, the unsolved death of a teenage girl. It stars Eric Bana uh, as the lead character, also Cheryl uh, O'Donnell, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, Julia Blake, Bruce Spence. Um, is this Australian? Yeah, it's an Australian movie. Okay. But it's getting, a, it's getting a pretty decent-sized release here in the U.S. Gotcha. So what did you think of The Dry? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> it is, it is, oh. uh, it's not quite like cinematic noir. It's Australian noir, which I think is a little different mm, because okay. the sun is so, so damn bright there. It's hard to have any dark scenes. Um, <laughs> but Banna is, is a cop in Melbourne who comes home with his best friend, supposedly murders his family and then kills himself. And from the get-go, he does not believe that that is what happened. And he's only going to stay a day because his past, he basically had to leave the town because of something that happened with his father. He could not return. So needless to say, he is not welcomed when he returns. Um, But he is a highly decorated detective, and this entire situation does not add up. And the crux of the movie is him cracking this mystery while being buffered against people in town who won't help him because of what happened 20 years ago. And we Uh, slowly but surely learn learn what happened 20 years ago as we learn what's happening today with that family. Um, So it's, it's, it's a haunting premise. It's really powerfully told. It's tightly wound. Eric Bana is fantastic. I mean, he's got a career outside of Australian cinema, but I can guarantee you he got this script and said, I need to make this movie. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's an all-Australian cast, an Australian director. It's uh, funded by the Australian Film Commission. Um, but it's, it's intense, and it takes place in a part of Australia that hasn't seen rain in 370 days. 
So, I mean, what? it is dry. Yeah, it is a major, major drought. And even in the flashbacks, they're swimming in a, in a river, which is now gone. So it's like, it's just, there's so many aspects of it that, that feel haunting. And like this impending doom is coming around any corner. And, you know, will Eric Bana figure out the mystery before he's run out of town? Um, yeah, yeah, I can't recommend it I enough. Love that kind of stuff. And I, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It is worth uh, seeking, finding out where it is and, and checking it out. I bet you it'll be on streaming sooner than later. Um, and I would absolutely give it four and a half stars because it's, it wow. is a riveter. I, and it's also the rare mystery because you find out, you get all the answers by the end. But it's the rare mystery that I actually would like to see again. Okay. Well, that's cool. You know, I do love Australian movies. You know, you were talking about sort of that uh, sort of noir kind of uh, feel, but it's an Australian. Did you ever see Animal Kingdom? I know that that's now a TV yes. series as well, but is it kind of got that feel to it? Yes, exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm, I'm there. I definitely want to see that one. That's, that's, <laughs> that, does, that sounds good. All right. So moving on, we're going yeah. to talk about, we only have a few more left, guys. We're almost there. Uh, Riders of Justice. Uh, again, this is Mad Milkinson. We love him. Um, uh, let me read the description here. Sorry, I keep forgetting to have it popped up, ready to go. Uh, Marcus, who has to go home to his teenage daughter, Matilda, when his wife dies in a tragic train accident. It seems like an accident until a mathematics geek who, also, who was also a fellow passenger on the train and his two colleagues show up. That, wait, I don't know if I read that right or <laughs> It seems like an, yeah. an accident until it's this man. Okay, I got you. All right. Again, like I said, it uh, stars Matt Nicholson. It's uh, directed by uh, Anders Thomas Jensen. Uh, is it, is it, uh, what is he? Is he Danish? I think he's Danish. Is it a yeah, Danish, Danish film? It, it's oh, a Danish, Danish film yeah. with subtitles. Um, and it too, it will grab you and get you going <laughs> and not let you go till the end. Uh, he's a military man who is probably overseas more than he is at home. Uh, he has a, a uh, child who kind of barely knows him, but yet still idolizes him. And then his, his wife, her, the mother of his child, dies in a, an explosion on the train. And then one night these guys knock on the door and say, I was on the train with your wife. I gave up my seat so she could sit down. And everybody that was in that row died. And I am here to tell you that, oh. that, was not an, that was not an accident. That was an act of terrorism. So he starts to find leads that leads him to this biker gang called Riders of Justice. And it's basically, okay. you know, he's got a hacker who's part of his team and he's the muscle and there's a guy who's the brains. And it's, it's just a really rich film um, and a, a further proof that foreign cinema, just like New Order, like just if reading subtitles, there's a whole world out there of storytelling that is just riveting yep. uh, that I cannot recommend enough. And this is, is one of those. Um, Mads is absolutely fantastic. He goes from a tough-nosed military man to a grieving widow to a man out for vengeance. And that is right yeah. up his alley. I mean, it's so <laughs> his money. 
Yes. He is so money with a pet character like that, he doesn't even know it. And then his three compatriots <laughs> in this effort are goofballs. There's a mathematician who's the biggest egghead. There's a hacker who's the own bigger egghead. And then there's just kind of this loony, loony guy who's just friends with the other two who's coming along because he almost has nothing else to do. So it's like, and then there's Mads, and they're on this mission of vengeance to find out what happened to Mads' wife. And, man, it's, it's fun, it's raw, it's real, it's emotional. It's everything you want a movie to be. Wow. Wow. You know, and Mads is on a roll right now because he also did the, um, the film Another Round, which won the, uh, the Oscar for Best uh, International Film. And I guess that's supposed to have have yet to watch it. I know I gotta get I gotta get on that. Um, but I hear that's fantastic as well. So he, you know what? He's a good actor. Period. Hands down. I, I he's another yeah. one that I will watch him and whatever he does. I, I don't know if you ever watched the the series Hannibal, but God, he was good in that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Art. He was Arctic unbelievable. Is still one of my favorite movies the last oh. several years. Oh. God, that survival movie, yeah, oh, that was so good. So yeah, he he's a tremendous actor. So I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to see him getting you know not only work here in the U.S. but also in his in his home country. So good for him to to continue to do movies, you know, in 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 uh, Denmark and whatnot. So good, that's that's great. So yeah, what, what rating did you give the rating? I forgot. What's the rating you give this? Uh, I would give it four and a half stars. I mean, it is stupendous. <laughs> We've got a good, we got, except the woman in the window, which is, ah, everybody, all the which other is, movies, really like him. <laughs> I was thinking about this week. It's just jam-packed with just fantastic movie, movies, what? except for the one that stars Amy Adams, who is due for an Oscar any day now. It's weird. I know. It's so weird. And that's the one I would thought, what if I would have been on the top of the list? But Nope. Nope, not at all. Everything else has just been top-notch. All right, so finally we're going to talk about two documentaries that you got a chance to see. The first one is Final Account. Uh, it's an urgent portrait of the last living generation of Hitler's Third Reich in never-before-seen interviews, raising vital questions about authority, conformity, national identity, and their roles in the greatest human crimes in history. Holy crap. That's so fantastic, yeah, right. was it? <laughs> it was unbelievable. It, it, it is a lesson in, I don't want to take too long to talk about it. It's a lesson in um, denial. Oh, it really is. And oh. it, it, has, it has the power to, to these interviews. These people are talking about their experiences with the war. And then this guy who was a laborer at one of the concentration camps he just thought that those people wearing the striped uniforms were prisoners or prisoners of war. They weren't, you know, Jews being exterminated. And then another lady would say, well, then why did the place smell like burning flesh for two years? And everybody around her was like, I don't remember it smelling like that. There's a scene in the nursing home where one lady just gets so emotional and she's like, we did nothing. We knew everything and we did nothing. And everyone's like, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. And it just, the filmmaker just keeps talking to these people. And then at the end, there's, uh, they have a room where, uh, the same room where it was decided that the Germans would exterminate the Jews. 
they have one of the Hitler youth who is now in his 90s sitting there with a group of 20-something Germans who were there to just ask him questions, and it got heated. It got heated quickly. They could not understand why he didn't speak up. They couldn't understand why people didn't band together to fight back. And the guy just kept saying, because they would have killed us. And he said, of course they would have killed us, but if enough of you rose up, you could have stopped it. And at one point, he's just in tears, and it just, the whole thing is an incredible study, and this documentary could not be more important because these people do not have much more years to live. And it's amazing. He, He found seven or eight of them to share their stories, and so many of them still have pictures of themselves from back in the day in their SS uniforms and they're like, I didn't know what was going on in there. I didn't know what was going on. And one guy was a farmer whose meat fed the concentration camp guards and used to deliver food there. But yet he's like, I had no idea that they were killing people there. And the director or the interviewer was like, you really didn't know? He's like, I had no idea. And you realize that it's what a strong, I don't want to say it's an emotion, but a strong thing that denial is. And it can be so strong and so steeped inside you that you can still possess it 60 years later. It's, it's wow. a stunning documentary, um, especially kind of when you think about how we kind of almost had a rise of fascism here in this country and how easily a democratic country, which Germany was, could turn into what it turned into, which resulted in World War II. Wow. I don't know if I could watch it or not because it probably would make me angry. But at the same time, that's amazing. I, is it? It's in theaters now. Uh, yeah, it's in theaters. But again, I suspect it will be streaming soon or on like PBS or something. I bet. I mean, right. and, and there's even one one Hitler youth who refused to apologize for anything because he said it, his fatherland asked him to do it, and it was all in the name of fighting for your country. Wow. Well, that sounds yeah. amazing, actually. I'm I'm actually a little bit speechless here. It just sounds unbelievable. Because you don't, you know, you always hear about the Holocaust. You, you, I mean, you've heard it from the Germans' point of view as well, but not like that. Not like that. No, not like this. Sounds No. Sounds amazing. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to check that one out when, it, when I get a chance to, even if I have to make myself <laughs> I'm telling you, Holocaust stuff, I can watch it once, and then that's the end of it. I can't do it again. It's too emotional. It's yeah. too emotional. No. Anyway, anyway, so finally we got the last one to talk about, which <laughs> should lift spirits a little bit. It's the documentary yeah. on Pink and her tour, a behind-the-scenes look at Pink as she balances family and life on the road, leading up to her first Wembley Stadium performance in 2019 for her beautiful trauma. As a, as a fan of musical, you know, or not musical, um, like tour documentaries and whatnot. I, I do like those. How was this? How does this compare? It, this is, is right up there with them. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed the first Justin Bieber movie. I enjoyed the One Direction movie. Uh, there's something about being a fly in the wall of these concerts, Truth or Dare, back in the day with Madonna. Yeah, um, This that. is fantastic. And I, I mean, I'll say from the get-go, I'm a little biased because I absolutely love Pink. I think she is incredibly <laughs> talented. 
She has a voice yes. from the angels. I mean, there's scenes where she does her vocal warm-ups in the bathroom, and it's like an angel is singing. But what makes this special is because this is more about family than it is about Pink and her musical success. It's about her role mm-hmm. as a mother and mothers in the modern world. And she says there are a lot of singers, a lot of athletes, who once they become a mother, they stop doing what they love. And she wanted to find mm-hmm. a way that she could uh, take her kids with her and do this massive world tour. Um, at the beginning, they show uh, the earth and then pink, the zigzag everywhere she went over the 18 months of the tour. And by the end, the, the world is almost all pink. <laughs> and it culminates wow. in not one, but, but two sold out. 80,000 people shows at Wembley in 2018. And I have to say, as a parent, I learned about parenting from her, which I was blown away by. Her oldest is the same age as mine, and they could be twins. The two kids could be twins. She says that, she says to the camera at one point, Pink, people like Pink because Pink doesn't take any crap. They know I never take any crap, but that child scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and I do I like her feel too. That, I like her. I, I could not feel like that more. And and the thing is is you want a strong independent woman, which both she has with her oldest daughter and I have with mine, and you don't want to temper that. Instead of <laughs> sending her kids home or staying home with her husband, Corey Hart, the BMX uh, writer, the whole clan goes on the road. And the youngest uh, boy is only two, and it's just it's a it's more of a story about her and him as parents to these kids in the most unique of situations, and she's used it as a way of uh, enlightening them. I mean, they got to see the world. They rode bicycles around wow. Amsterdam and and stuff like that. And like, who gets a chance to do that? And so it's it's right. an empowering picture. And plus. You get about probably six or eight really cool pink songs performed live by one of the best singers that are doing it today. So I can't recommend <laughs> this one enough. And it's on uh, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, yeah, it's, it's streaming on Amazon. So you'd give this a solid what? Four and a half? Four and a half stars, yeah. Yeah, really good. And, and, and again, another one that I would watch again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, cool. Yay, we did it. And we have 90 seconds, the lady just told me on my in my ear. Uh, so, yeah, we did it. We did it. We did it. I'm, like, it's lots of great, great movies to watch these days, guys. Lots of stuff. Next week, however, lots. we're going to talk about slot. Next week, we're going to talk about two movies that are actually coming out on the big screen. So, although Cruella is actually also going to be streaming on Disney+. Plus, But uh, Quiet Place 2, guys, the sequel, it's finally coming out after being having to be postponed. <laughs> But so we'll talk about that one next week as well as Cruella, uh, which looks actually really good as well. So thanks, Joel, again, for everything, for all of your great reviews. And you can read all of his reviews on his website, themoviemensch.com. And, uh, yeah, that should do it for us. So take care, everyone. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.